This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. G'day, my name's Nathan. I'm the lead pastor of LifeGate Church. Uh, Thanks for joining us. We're going to pray and then we're going to dive into the Word. I encourage you to pray with me. Father, we thank you for your Word. We pray, Lord, as we open it, we pray that you would speak to us, give us ears and hearts open to hear from you, and give me all I need, Father, to preach this clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, it was a Saturday afternoon, and I'm sitting on my back veranda thinking about life, thinking about all the different parts of life, and I asked myself this question, what's the point of all this? As I thought about my, lo- my life, as I go to work and as I come home, as I have a relationship with my wife and raise my kids, as I buy food, eat food, be nice to people and do it over and over again each day, I ask myself the question, what's the point of all this? You know, maybe it's the midlife crisis, but I, I wonder if you've ever asked yourself that question. As you look at life, you ask the question, what's the point of all this? And as I sat there and contemplated, I started to think about God. And I started to think about what God says about this world and about humanity and all that he created. And as I thought about that, I recognised there is a massive point to all this. And the point is that God has made the world, that God has made people in this world to fulfil his story, to take our place in fulfilling God's will, God's purpose for his creation. In Colossians 1, it says clearly about Jesus, it says all things have been created through him and for him. All things are created through him and for him. If, 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 we've, if, if we're created for him, our life then is to live in a way that, that, that honours him, that, that pleases him, that we treat Jesus in the way that, 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 that he desires. We treat others in the way that he desires, where our life declares how great he is. That's what it means for us to live a life for him. And as we live this life for him, the correct, the natural, the only right way of living for him is to live a life that is all in, where all of our life, where every moment, every decision, every choice is a choice that is honouring to him, that is for him. And so today I want to begin a series entitled All In. When you think about the phrase all in, I uh, wonder what you think about. Maybe here's some things. Number one is poker. Maybe you've got a really good hand or you've got a really dodgy hand and you choose to bluff and you put all your chips in and you say, I'm all in, and you risk everything on that hand. Maybe you think of a, a fullback in an NRL game where the fullback jumps up, takes the ball, and as they go down, they recognise they're about to get smashed by the, by the other team. And that's a picture of all in. Maybe it's someone who's climbed Mount Everest and the preparation and their risk to life and they climb that mountain, there is a picture of all in. Maybe it's a student studying for an HSC exam and they're, and, and they're all in in their preparation. Or maybe you think about it, a mum who's got a newborn baby and they're all in in caring for their, 
for their new child. But I wonder if you've ever considered what it means for a Christian to be all in. What does it mean for a Christian to live a life that they are all in? You know, when Jesus was asked the question by the the, uh, religious leaders, which is the most important commandment, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 22, he says this, he says, love the Lord your God with some of your heart and with a little bit of your soul and with some of your mind. No, he doesn't say that at all. He says, love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You know, God's desire for us is that he, that God, that Jesus, that the Holy Spirit, that that the triune God is at the centre of our lives, that we live in a way that pleases him, that we love him with our emotions, with our feelings, that we love God with our body, with our mind, where every part of our body, every part of our life is living in a way that that is honouring to him. Friends, that is a picture where we are living all in. You know, as Christians, we're not supposed to be living a life that is a part-time Christian, where we're a Christian, we're living like a Christian sometimes, but not others. Or we're a casual Christian or even a Sunday Christian, but rather every part of our life is living all in for him, where every part of our life is choosing to honour him. You know, um, over the next few weeks, as we look at this series entitled All In, I want to look at people in the Bible who were all in in seasons of their life. And the reason I say seasons of their life, because there were, there were seasons where they got it wrong. Now, the only person who always got it right was Jesus. He, he never got it wrong. He was always all in for his father, honouring God the Father as he lived. But every single person, in the, every other person in the Bible, at some stage in their life, they got it wrong. They had seasons where they did it really well and they were all in for God, but then other seasons where they, where they messed up. And that's really important to say. Because as I talk about living a life that is all in for God, all in for Jesus, I'm not talking about a perfect life because none of us are perfect, not this side of heaven anyway. We all get it wrong, but what I am talking about is, number one, where we have a desire to honour him, where there's this desire in us to please him in every area of our life. And the second thing is that we are deliberate, where we're being deliberate to live a life that honours him, a desire and a deliberateness. And they are two things that we need in order to live a life where we are all in, living a life that honours God. Well, the first person I want to start with in our series is this guy here, Noah. We see Noah in the first book in the Bible, in the sixth chapter, Genesis chapter 6. The setting is about 2,350 years before Jesus, about 1,500 years after Adam, Adam, Adam lived, Adam was born. And, and the context is, is that the world is in a mess. People are rebelling against God. And this is what God says about the world in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. He says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of their thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Now, that is a powerful sentence. See that? And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply moved. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created and with them the animals, the birds and the creatures that move along the ground for I regret that I've made them. Now that's a pretty tough text. 
But if we look at it from God's perspective, God made the first people in creation and it was good. It was perfect. And then mankind chose to rebel against God. The first people chose to rebel against God, which brought decay to the creation and sin entering the world where person after person continued to rebel against God to the point where 1,500 years later that every inclination of the human heart was evil. People had gone so far from what God had desired that he wanted for humanity and God regretted that he made the world and his desire was to wipe it out. But then, look what it says in verse 8, the very next verse. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. There was a man different from all the others. And this is what God says about this Noah. Look what he says. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Verse 11, now the earth was corrupting God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark, a big boat of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. And then the text goes on to tell us, um, well, the God, God then goes on to tell Noah how to build the ark, and it was very specific in its descriptions. Noah then builds the ark. Well, before he builds the ark, God tells him he's going to build the ark and then says that once it's built, I'm going to bring two of every creature and they're going to come on the ark and the ark is going to save you, your family, and, and two of every kind of animal on the earth. Now, when, when many people hear this story, many people think it's a fairy tale, some way of explaining how the world, was, um, how the world went about. And many people who think it's a fairy tale actually haven't looked at what was really going on and the, and the measurements of the boat and how big it actually was. There's a, there's a guy in the US called Ken Ham who built a life-size figure, and I'm going to show you some pictures. But let me explain to you how big this boat was. I found this online. The boat, the ark, was apparently about 140 metres long. It was 22 metres wide, a couple of buses, and it was 14 metres high, three giraffes. <laughs> one, one person wrote you could fit 438 semi-trailers in this boat. Well, this Ken Ham guy from America runs a ministry called Answers in Genesis. In 2015 and 2016, raised enough funds to have this ark built. I've got three, three pictures for you. Here is a picture of the ark using the dimensions that the Bible gives. It was a gigantic boat. You can see a little person here and you can see how big the boat was. Here's another picture with people here and cranes. And then the final picture is a little, there's two people here person here, this boat was gigantic. One scientist believed that you could put 70,000 animals on this ship with all the different levels. Now, Noel wouldn't have taken big elephants. He would have taken baby elephants that could then breed and, and, and give birth to more and populate the earth. And that's exactly what we see. As once the boat was built, God brought two of every creature um, onto that 
um, boat, birds and animals, nothing from the sea because the water came up and they were fine and swimming in the water. And the, and the doors were closed. The Bible says that Noah and his family, his, his, his children and their, and their wives were in that boat for a year when, when the rain came down, the water came up and destroyed all the creatures of, and the people that were living on the earth. At the end of that year, Noah then came out of that boat and the human race and the animals then repopulated the earth. It's an incredible story. And, and, and as we look at the events in the account of the flood and Noah, I want to give you four reasons why I believe Noah was all in. I want to give you four reasons why I believe Noah was all in for God. The first is because of Noah's lifestyle. Look at what it says in verse 9 of Genesis chapter 6. It says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God, described as righteous. He was blameless among the people and he walked faithfully with God. Now compare that to the other people and how they were living at the time. Look back to verse 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The inclination of the heart was evil all the time. These people were thinking about themselves. They were thinking about how to please their flesh, how to make themselves feel good rather than honour God. And a lot of the stuff they were doing was anti-God, wasn't for God, wasn't honouring God. It was evil. It was their heart desires was evil all the time. And compare that to Noah who was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah was not like the rest of the world. He didn't copy, well, like, he didn't live like everybody else. He didn't copy their behaviour. Rather, he lived a life that, that, that honoured God. And as we see that, we can see that Noah was all in for God. And if we want to be people who are all in for God, we need to live different to what the world says. Look at, it, look at what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Don't follow the desires you had before you were a Christian. Those flesh desires which were all about you, which were pleasing your flesh, doing the things that you wanted to do to please you. But just as He who called you is holy, that is God, just as God is holy, so be holy in all you do. Holy means to be set apart. And just as God is different from his creation, set apart, pure, spotless, God wants us to be different from the rest of the world, to be called out from among the world and live in a way that pleases him. You know, as Christians today, it's easy for us to be influenced by the world and copy how they live. But God says, no, don't do that. Don't copy the world, rather live in the way that I want you to live. And friends, if we want to be all in for God, we need to live a lifestyle that pleases him. That's the first thing we see about Noah is around his obedience, not his obedience, his lifestyle. The second thing we see about Noah is around his obedience. Look at what it says in Genesis 6.14. It says, so make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. And this is how you are to build it. And he goes on to describe how the, how the ark was to be built. Now, this was something that was something that Noah would, would not have understood the significance of it. You know, 
Noah was told why he had to build the boat because God was going to wipe out the inhabitants of the earth. But God was going to do it with a flood and Noah had never experienced the flood before. Actually, he never experienced even rain before. The Bible teaches that God made water around the earth, then they had the sky and then they had the earth with the land and the water. There was a a covering of, of water above the sky which protected the people from the sun's radiation. And it, it, that, that water had never come down. It's only in the flood that that water came down and then the water under the, under the earth came up, which uh, created the plates to, to, to move and we still have earthquakes today and mountains to come up and valleys to come down and all that water came up and down and that's what created the flood. But Noah had never experienced a flood before or rain before. And yet God was asking him to build this boat. He knew why to wipe out the people of the, and, 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 and the animals that walked across the earth. But he had no concept about the rain and the flood, the thing that God was going to do. And the point I want to make is this, that Noah was obedient, even though he didn't understand the full picture. He didn't understand the full significance of what God was going to do, and yet Noah was obedient anyway. He was all in. And friends, that's the same for us today. If we're going to be all in for God, if we're going to live an all-in life for Jesus, we need to be obedient to him. Even we don't understand the fullness of what he wants us to do. You know, sometimes God tells us what to do and it's obvious why. God tells us to obey the government. That's obvious. So we don't get in trouble with the police. He also says don't lie. And that's obvious because lying breaks relationships, breaks trust in people in the relationships that we have. But there are other things God's, that God asks us to do where the, where, where the benefit, where the fullness of it is, is, is not seen until we do it. Let me give you some examples. The Bible says be filled with the Spirit. You might think, well, I'm a Christian. Do I really need that? It's not only until you get filled with the Spirit and, and you have the gifts of the Spirit and you get that intimacy with God and a passion that builds up and, and the feeling that empowers you to go. It's only as you're filled with the Spirit then you see the benefits and the fullness of why God said be filled with the Spirit. It's the same with um, being part of a local church community. I've heard people say you don't need to go to church to become a Christian. And that's true. You don't need to go to church to become a Christian. But it's as you're part of a church community, you get relationships. You get encouragement. You get accountability. And as you experience the thing God tells you to do, you then see the fullness of it, the benefit of it. It's same with the tithe. As you get that first 10% and you give it to the local church and you honour God with that tithe, you don't see the the fullness of it until you do it. You might see, well, I can can understand giving money is going to pay for staff and help us do ministry and pay for electricity and facilities. That makes sense. But it's not until you give the tithe where you see the blessing of God in your life as you honour God with your finance, God blesses you and provides you and he meets every single need. As you honour God with finance, God honours you. It's only as you're obedient you see the blessing. And it's true, if we're going to live a life where all in, we need to be obedient to God. And sometimes we're not going to understand why God wants us to do it, but it's as we do it, we then see the benefit later or the outcome later. Back in 2001, I went to a conference and, and the conference was run by Table College. And it was a night session and the principal of the college, it was Barry Chant, who was um, speaking. And, and, and he gave an order call to go to Bible College. 
He says, I'm going to pray. If the Holy Spirit stirs in you, that's a sign that God wants you to go to Bible college. And at the end of the meeting, I want you to come to the front and I'll explain to you more about it. Well, as he said that, the Spirit of God rose up within me and it was like, Nathan, I want you to go to Bible college. And I went, okay. Now, at the time, I was a teacher. I was running youth ministry on a Friday night at the church that I was a part of. I was running the the, the music ministry as well. And I thought, well, maybe Bible college will help me do youth ministry and the music ministry better. So I went to the front and I signed up for Bible college. Little did I know that seven years later, the pastor of this church, LifeGate Church, asked me to come on staff a day a week. And at the end of that year, God spoke to me clearly saying, Nathan, you'll be leading the church next year. I'd finished Bible college and the following year, God called me, called me to be a pastor of this church. And it just so happens that the movement they were a part of recognises table college degrees for their endorsement process for pastors. You know, I didn't know why I was going to Bible college, but God did. And it was as I was obedient to him. I didn't know the fullness of it. I didn't know all the benefits of it, but God did. And it's as we're obedient to him, God will take us through the steps and get us to the place he wants us to be. Friends, if we're going to be all in, we need to be obedient. Even when we don't see all the benefits, all the reasons for it, we're called to be obedient to God. The third thing we see around Noah and Noah being all in is that Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Noah sacrificed. Noah sacrificed. He did everything that God wanted him to do. You know, the commentators say that it mostly took between 60 and 70 years. The Bible doesn't say, but the the, the commentators have estimated between 60 and 70 years to build this massive boat. You saw the size of the boat in that pictures. It was a massive deal. And it would have been a massive sacrifice to Noah. 60 or 70 years of his life he spent building this boat. And imagine the resource, the tools, the, the finance to pay for the tools. And he would have had to hire workers and the sacrifice of the money that he put in to build this boat because God asked him to. Noah was all in because he sacrificed his time and his finances. And friends, if we're going to be all in for God today, it means that we're going to have to sacrifice our time and our finances. You know, when you're a Christian, God calls you to serve his church. God calls you to go on mission into the world. And that takes time. That takes resource. And, it's, and, and, and for us to live a life where we're all in for God, it means saying, it means that we're going to use our finance in the, in the way that he wants us to use it. Not only in the way that we want to use it, but in the way that he wants us to use it. And it's the same with our time. We're going to have to take time away from the things that we're really passionate about and love to do and do the things that God wants us to do. And as as we do that, we actually get passionate about those things and we want to serve God with our lives because we want to be all in. If we're going to be all in, we need to sacrifice our time. We need to sacrifice our resources. And the fourth and the final thing that we see in Noah that I want to highlight today is that Noah kept on going. Same verse from Genesis 6.22. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. He built that boat over that 60, 70 year period. Noah kept on going. I can imagine some days he would have woke up and went, I have to build that boat again, don't I? And the next day I've got to build that boat again, don't I? And I can imagine difficulties with the build and having to hire staff and the difficulties with that. But Noah kept on going day in, day out, 60 or 70 years and got that boat um, finished. He kept on going. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but I can imagine that the people at the time who weren't interested in God would have gave Noah a hard time. They would have said, what are you building? Maybe Noah told him what God was going to do. We don't know that. We're not told. 
But I can imagine the people bagging Noah out. Why are you building that big thing for? I can imagine the people bagging Noah out for his lifestyle. Remember, Noah didn't live like everybody else. And so I reckon they would have picked on him because of, their, because of his lifestyle. But yet Noah kept on going, honouring God, building that boat, honouring God, living a life that honoured him. He kept on going. Noah was all in. And friends, if we're going to live a life that's all in, we need to keep on going. You know, I'm 42 now and I've seen many people start the Christian journey and give up. At one stage in their life, they committed their life to God, but right now they're not living for him. They're thrown in the towel of Christianity. And I've seen other people who started out serving God, committed their life to God, serving him, and after a season, they just stop serving. Maybe they have a difficult situation in the church. Maybe they get tired and they just give up and they just sit on the bench and they are no longer fruitful. Yes, they're a Christian, but they're no longer fruitful. You know, God doesn't want that, that either, either example for our lives. When we commit our life to Him, God wants us to keep following Him all our days to our very last breath. And God wants us to serve Him all our lives. Yes, there's time to rest. But the reason we rest is to recover, to build strength, to go and serve Him again. So if you're watching this and you're backslidden, you're no longer following God you once did, my encouragement is to return to Him. Or if you once served Him and you're no longer serving Him, if you're no longer serving your faith, sharing your faith, if you're no longer serving God's church, my encouragement for you is to go again, to keep on going, to get back on, get back on and go again, serve God again. For that is what it means to live a life that is all in. Friends, we've seen in this, in, from, from, from this passage and in Noah's life four, four reasons why Noah was all in. The first was around his lifestyle. He didn't live like the world. He chose to honour God. The second thing was around his obedience. He obeyed God even when he didn't understand it all. He obeyed God. The third thing, he sacrificed his time and his finance to obey God. And finally, he kept on going. Year after year, when the people were most likely against him, he kept on going. Noah was a man who was all in. And I wonder if you're watching this today, which areas of your life would you describe as all in? Because the reality is if you're a Christian, there are areas of your life where you are all in, where you're passionate about God and you're serving Him in that area and that area. But then there are other areas where you're not all in. And this is true for everybody because none of us are perfect. We all have areas where we aren't honouring God like He would want us to. And I wonder if it's one of these areas. Maybe it's in your lifestyle. There's areas of the way that you're living where you're not honouring God. Maybe there's some things that are around obedience that God has asked you to do and you, and you haven't yet done it. Maybe he's asked you to sacrifice time or finance and you're not yet doing that. Or maybe you were once serving God and, and you're no longer. Maybe you committed your life to God and now you're backslidden. Friends, God wants you to keep on going. And if there's one of these things that have been highlighted today, may I encourage you to, may I encourage you to recognise it. Recognise that you're not all in in these areas. Tell God that you've messed up. Tell God that you're not all in. Tell Him you're sorry and choose to live a life that honours Him. You know, today we've talked about being all in, all in for God. And I started by asking the question, is there any point to this? And I told you that there is a massive point. For this world, this creation is all about God and his plan for this world. And God invites me and God invites you to take our part in his story. This world was made for him. 
And the natural response for us, the normal correct response, is to live a life all in for him, for that is why this place was created. It's why we exist to live a life that honours God, that honours the Son, Jesus, that honours the Holy Spirit. We're to live a life all in. But God demonstrated for us first what all in looked like. You know, back in Genesis, it says that people were, every inclination of their heart was evil. And since that time, nothing's changed. People are still interested in themselves. People still put ourselves first and our agenda first rather than honouring God first and putting God's agenda first. And the Bible, Bible calls it sin and God saw that sin and because of that sin, our relationship with God is separated. Because of that sin, we deserve death. But God loved us. He could have wiped us out again, but this time he chose not to. He loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus, who is God in flesh, who lived the perfect life and at the age of about 33 died on the cross. The most horrible and the agonizing way to die, God was all in by giving his best for me and you. He loved us in the best way possible by dying in our place, by taking our sin upon himself, by restoring our relationship with God. And through Jesus' resurrection, he has given us the opportunity to have new life. And if you're watching this today and you have not yet committed your life to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity. God has been all in for you and He wants you to be all in for Him. And that starts by committing your life to Jesus. So I'm going to pray. And if you want to live a life all in, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that He died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to live my life for Jesus all my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, you've become a Christian, please click on, click on the box if you're watching online that says um, the, the, the prayer card box and someone will pray with you. Give us your details because we want to help you live a life that is all in. But if you are a Christian, I encourage you to consider these four things and ask yourself, where am I living where I'm not all in? Is it around my lifestyle? Is it around obedience? Is it around sacrifice if it's keep on going? If you're watching this online, again, you can click on the prayer box and someone will pray with you around encouraging you, praying that God will give you the ability to be all in. Or if you're watching this at one of our physical locations, there's going to be a prayer team at the end of this message. I encourage you to come forward and get prayer because God is going to move in your life as you come for prayer. When we pray, God moves powerfully in our lives. And it's as we pray, God can change our heart's desires, our will, our situation, that we can live a life that pleases Him, that is a life that is all in. Hey, thanks for being part of it. I'll see you again next week. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church Podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. 